What's happening guys? Sam Adams here and welcome to a brand new episode of the Jam Pack Report today for August the 21st of 2019. And of course, for those that are brand new to the show, this is a daily gaming news podcast that brings you the hottest gaming news that you need to know five days a week, Monday through Friday on youtube.com slash Media, as well as podcast services around the world, depending on if you want the version with my face and voice or just the voice. It's up to you. It depends on how you want to get your news. Uh, but today we have some very unfortunate news to talk about because GameStop is laying off another 100 plus people, including over half, or at least nearly half, according to Kotaku, of Game Informer's entire staff, which is very unfortunate. Uh, we will talk more about that and what that could mean for the industry going forward and also for GameStop because, of course, they are in the midst of a pretty big shift when it comes to their business model. Then, Sony is open to PC versions of PlayStation exclusives, which is shocking in and of itself, but on top of that, Microsoft says they have no plans to release more Xbox exclusives on PS4 or Nintendo Switch. Of course, that news coming in the wake of Ori and the Blind Forest, announced for Nintendo Switch coming September the 27th. Then, Mortal Kombat 11 has a bit of a leak going on with its combat pack, which leaks its DLC characters, and you had better believe there are a lot of Ks in all of those k sounds in that title. Then, Sega's remastered Yakuza bundle for PS4 is coming to the US, and it turns out part of the brand new Destiny trailer leaked two and a half years ago. A fun story to end out today's show, but maybe one that misuses the term leaked. We will talk more about that in just a moment. But without further ado, again, I do hope you enjoyed today's show. Let's go ahead and dive into today's top stories. GameStop lays off over 100 people, including nearly half of Game Informer's staff. The struggling retail chain GameStop laid off over 100 employees yesterday, both at its corporate headquarters in Grapevine, Texas, and at other offices, including its subsidiary Game Informer magazine in Minnesota, where nearly half of the editorial staff lost their jobs in a surprise cut. As part of the previously announced GameStop reboot initiative to transform our business for the future and improve our financial performance, we can confirm a workforce reduction was implemented, impacting more than 120 corporate staff positions, representing approximately 14% of our total associate base at our company headquarters, as well as at some other offices, a GameStop spokesperson told Kotaku in a statement. While these changes are difficult, they were necessary to reduce cost and better align the organization with our efforts to optimize the business to meet our future objectives and success factors. We recognize that this is a difficult day for our company and particularly for those associates impacted. We appreciate their dedication and service to GameStop and are committed to supporting them during this time of transition. This news comes just a few weeks after GameStop laid off dozens of regional managers, another story we talked about on an episode of the show, following a brutal year that saw the company try and then stop trying to sell itself. GameStop's stock has plummeted over the past few years as the retailer continues to struggle to stay afloat in a world where digital distribution has grown to dominate the world of gaming. The layoffs blindsided staff at Game Informer today. Seven of the popular magazine's editors announced on Twitter this afternoon that they had been laid off, including one who said he was on vacation. Per Game Informer's masthead, the magazine has 19 full-time editorial staff. I am trying to get things right with my people, Editor-in-Chief Annie McNamara said on Twitter. I love Game Informer, its people and its readers more than any corporation could, and I will address all the issues when I can, but for now, I need to focus on my GI family. And of course, as I always say, it's so heartbreaking to see the gaming industry uh, in the state that it's in, where you do have these layoffs, all of a sudden, just like a Thanos snap and half of your employees are gone with the wind. Blows my mind every time I read a story like this. 
But I can't say that I didn't expect this. Of course, everybody always hopes that they aren't going to be impacted. Everybody always hopes that they can stay on board. But whenever you have a company like GameStop that is literally on the edge of death, you know, on life support, you kind of have to expect that some of the fat is going to be cut. And one of the biggest cuts, I would say, is definitely going to be Game Informer itself because that is kind of a liability in 2019. Now, don't get me wrong. Game Informer is a fantastic outlet for gaming news with a fantastic staff that is absolutely jam-packed with content. As somebody who reads Game Informer on a daily basis to gather news for this show and also for my own entertainment, I can confirm they are some of the finest authors in the industry. There are some incredibly talented people over there, and make no mistake, I admire each and every one of them. There is some pretty impressive work over on that site. But at the same time, when you are GameStop, a retailer at heart, and you own this magazine, that is a big liability considering that print subscriptions are likely going very much so down. Nobody really subscribes digitally anymore. Of course, everything is bundled in with the pro membership at GameStop as well. Uh, but still, how many people are actually reading the old rag of Game Informer instead of getting, getting their news online? And also, how much ad revenue is coming in from the website itself? These are all questions that have to be asked, and so maybe you do have to trim a bit whenever it comes to actually trimming back trying to save the company itself. Now, of course, I'm not saying that what is being done is right, but that's just corporate business, and I hate it just as much as the next guy. But again, that's just corporate business. Now, it is unclear at the moment as to how this is being handled by GameStop on a corporate level, because we've seen many reports of other companies in the gaming space not treating their employees well, uh, pretty much avoiding giving any kind of severance package, avoiding any kind of support going forward, and of course, no notice as to when and how and why this is happening, just kind of happening all of a sudden. And I have seen a lot of people saying that is the case. This was something that came completely out of the blue, and now they are without a job. So so I'm sure that we are going to be seeing more discussions about this topic over the coming days, but I did want to say, it looks like things are a bit dicey right now at Game Informer, and that's not a good look at all. Uh, so hopefully the magazine continues to stay afloat, and of course, I think Jared Petty said it the best on Twitter. Uh, number one, I love Game Informer. I truly do adore Game Informer, and I hope the best, but whenever you are hemorrhaging talent, Whenever you are cutting back on talent, the quality of the articles, the quality of the content goes down, and whenever the content goes down, so does the magazine. And that very well might be the plan. I don't want to read too far into it, but again, my hopes go out to everybody impacted that you can find fantastic work because, as I said, there are some really, really talented people on the Game Informer staff that are impacted by these layoffs. And, of course, to those at GameStop as well. Uh, you know, not just to focus on Game Informer here. Anytime anybody loses their job, it always sucks. And so I hope everybody lands on their feet from this because, man, that can be devastating. But moving on to gaming news, Sony is open to PC versions of PlayStation exclusive games. Sean Layden says some first party titles may need to lean into a wider installed base. Sony may start bringing PlayStation exclusives to other platforms. In an interview with Bloomberg this week, Sony Interactive Entertainment Worldwide Studios chairman Sean Layden suggested the company's stance toward its first-party titles may be changing. We must support the PlayStation platform. That is non-negotiable, Layden said. That said, you will see in the future some titles coming out of the collection of studios, which may need to lean into a wider installed base. The Bloomberg article's context suggests Layden was referring not to PlayStation games appearing on Nintendo or Microsoft consoles, but to PC versions of multiplayer titles designed with that platform in mind. 
And so, of course, I think the biggest point to focus on with this specific article is that last sentence. Not necessarily Microsoft or Nintendo branded consoles, but more so towards the PC, specifically talking about multiplayer elements of games. That is a step in the right direction. Of course, we see Sony gradually dipping their toe in the water of cross-platform play. We see them dipping their toe in collaborations with other direct competition. And that is the predecessor to completely and totally doing a belly flop off the diving board into this world where you can monetize a game three, fourfold because you simply put it out on a different platform and you allow other people to come into your ecosystem without having that overhead price of having to get in on a brand new piece of hardware, such as going out and buying a PlayStation 4 to play stuff like Uncharted, God of War, The Last of Us, etc. And so with that being said, I think this is a fantastic step in the right direction and one that they should certainly embrace going into the next generation because there is literally no downside uh, to offering your games at least on PC. Now it's going to be a slow rollout, I would say. Of course, I think it's going to be a very circumstantial kind of situation as Sean Layden does point out. It's going to be on pretty much a game-to-game -game basis. Some games may need to lean into a wider install base, uh, but just to imagine some of these amazing first-party games on the PC uh, where you can optimize them to run even better than they can on a PS4 Pro, potentially. That could change the game when it comes to the PC gaming space and really make PCs the best place to play. Uh, now, how they monetize this, still up in the air. Of course, Xbox Game Pass doing it relatively well with Game Pass Ultimate. Uh, on top of that, you have games simply going cross-platform, where you do have it as a console exclusive on Xbox, but also coming to PC, those games do tend to do fairly well as well. But we will see what model PlayStation does go with as the next generation approaches. Nothing confirmed as of yet, but to see first-party PlayStation games come out on other platforms, ooh, that could be a very interesting shift. Now, of course, Microsoft has been adopting this kind of model over the past few months, and we have seen many games come to the Nintendo Switch, specifically Cuphead and Ori and the Blind Forest. I say many. That's pretty much it. But... Now, Microsoft says they have no plans to release more Xbox exclusives on PS4 or Nintendo Switch. Microsoft has no plans to release more exclusive Xbox games on other consoles. It comes after the firm announced via Nintendo that it will publish Ori and the Blind Forest Definitive Edition on Nintendo Switch. The game was previously exclusive to Xbox One and PC. Nintendo and Xbox have been collaborating over the past 12 months, including the introduction of Microsoft's Banjo-Kazooie into Nintendo's Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. Nintendo also called out our friends at Microsoft for supporting the release of Cuphead on Switch, although Microsoft has told GamesIndustry.biz that Cuphead was never an exclusive Xbox IP and is the property of developer studio MDHR. Xbox has also recently acquired a number of studios that have released or will release games on Switch, including Obsidian, Double Fine, and Ninja Theory. However, in a statement to GI.biz, Microsoft has played down future releases. The past year has been an exciting time for us as we have more than doubled the internal creative teams making up Xbox Game Studios, the company stated. As these new studios transitioned in, we were aware of some existing commitments to other platforms and will honor them. However, going forward, these new studios will focus on making games for our platforms. We have no plans to further expand our exclusive first-party games to other consoles, and we continue to believe deeply in cross-play and progression of games with the right flexibility for developers to ensure a fair and fun experience. Xbox does plan to make its IP accessible via other devices, however, through the firm's streaming service xCloud. Meanwhile, the company has a number of projects in the works for PC and has developed a PC-specific version of its Game Pass subscription service, which we did just talk about. 
And of course, they also mention Minecraft is also supported across all platforms, as if that actually matters, although it partially does. We'll dive into that in just a moment. And so, will we be seeing more Microsoft games on Nintendo and PlayStation platforms? It would be cool, but apparently not. I'm going to take them at their word for this because I do believe they're kind of establishing uh, at least some kind of repertoire. They're establishing some kind of, of, of profile uh, for gamers on other platforms. Even if gamers on other platforms already know them, of course, anytime you release something like Ori and the Blind Forest on the Nintendo Switch, that's just a good bump in PR. People like to see that kind of thing, and so you are improving your public appearance uh, through this way. Then, in a couple of years, you announce Project xCloud coming to the Nintendo Switch, to your iPhone, to your Android, to the PS5, maybe. Uh, that would be a pretty impressive one, and of course to PC as well. And so it does become this kind of hybrid between something of an Xbox platform and Google Stadia where you can play your Xbox catalog anywhere and it doesn't matter what system, what platform, what piece of hardware you are actually playing it on. Uh, that's where I think Microsoft is going for this. These exclusives haven't been necessarily to bring the games to other platforms but rather to build up their own public appearance and their own profile in the gaming space. Now, the big question is, will Microsoft continue to play nice? Of course, as the article does point out, Minecraft could have been an Xbox exclusive, and it could have made tons and tons of money and literally been a console seller that changed the entire course of where this generation has gone. But instead, they chose to continue to support it on platforms like the Vita, the PS3, the PS4, everything else that has the Minecraft game on it has continued to get support. Of course, some games have been, you know, kind of sunsetted, if you will, where they don't necessarily get many updates nowadays, but still, you do have multi-platform support, which is something of an anomaly, if you will, uh, especially after the acquisition of the company behind Minecraft from Notch. Uh, but with that being said, I think it's a very interesting story, to say the least, that they are going ahead and releasing games like Cuphead, like Ori and the Blind Forest on the Nintendo Switch, collaborating with Nintendo, bringing Banjo-Kazooie into Super Smash Bros., yet there are no more plans uh, to release Xbox games on multi-platforms? Ah, that's strange to me. It's very strange. However, we have a leak for those Mortal Kombat 11 fans out there because the Combat Pack, with a K, has leaked its DLC characters. And of course, that is characters with a K. It fits snugly with the previous data mine. Later this morning, NetherRealm Studios will drop a trailer revealing the contents of the first Combat Pack DLC characters headed to their rad fighting title Mortal Kombat 11. It seems, however, a hastily removed YouTube thumbnail has already spilled the beans with image that reveals all six characters along with their release dates. There'll be spoilers below, obviously. Already alongside the released Shang Tsung and Nightwolf, we see dates for Best MK Character Sindel, November 26th, and Spawn, March the 17th, so it seems fans of Todd McFarlane's Avengers still have got some time to wait. The two mysterious guest characters are revealed as Arnold Schwarzenegger's T-800 series Terminator on October the 8th, and DC Comics' Clown Prince of Crime Joker on January the 28th, in what appears to be a slight remodeling of his Injustice 2 appearance. Of note, both of these characters will be appearing in blockbuster movies, later this year. 
Oh my god, Terminator looks badass. Okay, all of these DLC characters were featured in Datamines that found their way online earlier this year, so none of this should come as a surprise even to the hardcore MK faithful. What is surprising, though, is the conspicuous absence of Evil Dead's Ash, played by Bruce Campbell. Despite deconfirmation by the actor himself, many people were expecting the goofy chainsaw-wielding nutjob to make an appearance in this pack. The name Ash was included in the Datamine, and the combat pack teaser even ended with a chainsaw sound effect. Given that there are other datamine names yet to be put in appearance, including Wind God Fujin and Shokan Warrior Shiva, there is still a sliver of hope for Evil Dead fans, though it should be noted Ash could be shortened for the lesser-known MK character Ashra. Why that chainsaw sound, though? Did a deal fall through? Do NRS have further surprises planned, or did we all just believe a little too hard? I suppose only time will tell, and of course, the game is out now on PS4, Xbox One, PC, and Nintendo Switch if you did want to give it a look. But out of all of these DLC characters, and of course, as somebody who does not play Mortal Kombat, ooh, let me tell you. I'm digging that Terminator T-800. Of course, the brand new Terminator movie coming out very soon. On top of that, the brand new Joker movie coming out relatively soon. Uh, so these collaborations don't necessarily take anybody by surprise, but still, they're relatively neat, I suppose, if you want some DLC characters in your combat pack. Of course, Mortal Kombat 11 in the news for multiple reasons. Number one, really good Mortal Kombat game. Number two, a report of a ton of crunch uh, because of the fact that it's a really good Mortal Kombat game. So, you know, you can take it at face value for what it is, but overall, the game has been performing in an incredibly impressive way. One of the best-selling games for the first half of 2019, at least. Uh, really impressive moves over there from the guys, uh, of course, at NetherRealm Studios. But we will see if this is, in fact, accurate. Of course, it very much so is, and we will talk more about this whenever the official reveal comes later on today. But Sega's remastered Yakuza bundle is coming to the PS4 for the United States citizens. The first entry in the bundle, Yakuza 3, is available today. With Western interest in the Yakuza series being the most passionate it's ever been, Sega is bringing remastered PS4 versions of its PS3 open-world Yakuza 3, 4, and 5 games to the West. Fans can purchase the Yakuza remastered collection starting today for $59.99, with the remastered Yakuza 3 available to download right this moment. Sega will release the other two games in the collection on the 29th of October and the 11th of February, respectively. If you buy the Yakuza remastered collection, Yakuza 4 and 5 will unlock automatically once they are available. With the remaster, all three games now play at 1080p and 60fps, meaning you'll be able to navigate the series' trademark reactions of Tokyo, Kabuchigo, I probably butchered that name, district in even more realistic detail. In addition to graphical enhancements, Sega says it has relocalized all three games, even going so far as to rewrite certain sections of each game's script. That should hopefully make the series' sometimes convoluted story more approachable. Lastly, the company has restored content that it had cut for the Western releases of the titles. In the case of Yakuza 3, that means previously cut minigames are back in, as are all of its side stories. In other words, what's on offer here are the definitive Western releases of Yakuza 3, 4, and 5. And so, if you fancy yourself a collector, Sega plans to a limited, excuse me, Sega plans to release a limited physical release of the Yakuza Remastered Collection. Available on February 20th, 2019, the same day Yakuza 5 Remastered launches digitally, the physical release comes with two discs in a special edition case. 
Since this marks the first time Yakuza 5 will be playable as a physical release in the West, Sega is also including the game's PS3 case, though not the game itself on PS3. If you really want to dive headfirst into the Yakuza series, Sega also offers the Yakuza Origins Digital Bundle, which brings together Yakuza 0, Kiwami, and Kiwami 2 for fans of the Yakuza games. Uh, now, I will say, I don't care in the slightest about Yakuza, but that's just me. However, I know a ton of people are really into Yakuza, and so this is a fantastic uh, piece of content because this gives you the entire collection, essentially, aside from the more modern games, uh, that can kind of give you the entire experience from beginning to where we are now. Of course, if you buy both of these collections together, you get Yakuza 0, Kiwami, Kiwami 2, then you get 3, 4, 5... People love Yakuza. I need to get into it because it looks like something I would be a big fan of, but I've just never had time to dive into it. I love the look of it. I love the fighting in it, and I love the world of Yakuza. It's so quirky and strange, and the mini games are weird. Uh, I can definitely see myself getting into that in a pretty big way. Uh, but again, if you do want to buy the game today, you are going to be getting Yakuza 3. Then on the 29th of October, you are getting Yakuza 4. Then in February, you are getting Yakuza 5 Remastered. Uh, but again, Tons of Yakuza games coming out right now. They are pretty much taking the industry by storm. If I did have to say so myself, a pretty impressive overtaking over the past few months. But to round out today's show, it turns out part of the brand new Destiny trailer leaked two and a half years ago. The makers of Destiny have long and storied traditions of reusing content from the cutting room floor, and the upcoming Shadowkeep expansion is no exception, with fans discovering that this week's new trailer features a cutscene that was leaked on the internet before Destiny 2 even came out. Way back in February of 2017, when Rise of Iron was in full gear and Bungie's developers were still making plans to announce their grand sequel to Destiny, this trailer popped up on the internet. It was a menacing look at the robotic Vex. And here, at 2 minutes and 51 seconds into the movie, is a cinematic trailer that Bungie showed yesterday at Gamescom in Germany two and a half years later in preparation for the release of Shadowkeep on October the 1st. It looks like they have been sitting on this one for a while. The developers of Bungie have done this many times before, reusing the cut and bits. What? The cut bits and pieces, there we go, from various releases and expansions. It started with D1's major story reboot the year before launch, after which Bungie moved the Dreadnought into the first expansion, The Taken King. Major areas like the European Dead Zone and per P Pyramidian? Sure, were in the works for previous re-releases and expansions before they eventually found their proper fits. I apologize. I couldn't read there for a moment, and also I'm not a big Destiny guy. I like watching it from a bystander's point of view, but it's not necessarily my go-to these days. That's changing with Shadowkeep. And all this Vex stuff has clearly been on someone's hard drive for a long time. So here we go, this is where we get the truth. A cynical pundit might scream about developers holding back content to sell later, but really this is the inevitable consequence of slow tools and a game that needs to be updated constantly. It's also smart. With Bungie now independent and no longer able to rely on Activision's deep pockets, the people who make Destiny are no doubt going back through their vault and digging up any unused content they can't find. It's not nefarious, it is efficient, and that is the point that I want to drive home here. It is worth remembering that now, in 2019, Bungie is completely and totally dependent when it comes to uh, Destiny. They are completely and totally independent, excuse me, when it comes to Destiny, and so they have to go back into the vault and say, hey, 
is there anything we haven't used to save a couple thousand dollars? Instead of cutting a brand new trailer, we can just go ahead and reuse portions of the old stuff that maybe never made it out and saw the light of day officially. Now, some leaks may have come out from time to time, but overall, we haven't seen this content before, and so therefore, it is fair game to be used in a trailer. Uh, but regardless of the trailer, I know tons of people are excited about Destiny 2 Shadowkeep and New Light. Of course, today marks the beginning of Cross Save, which is a pretty big deal where you can actually have one character saved across your PS4, Xbox One, and PC accounts as they begin the migration apart from Activision entirely and completely over the next few weeks. Uh, but Still a fun story to end off with. It's one of those gaming lore pieces that I feel like I should tell people about just because looking back, this is going to be a pretty big historical point for the lore of Destiny. Not necessarily the lore in the game itself, but the lore surrounding the game in the real world. But that rounds out today's episode of the Jam Pack Report. Of course, I hope you enjoyed this one. And if you did, be sure to drop me a like down below if you are watching on YouTube. And of course, for those listening on podcast services, thank you so much. I appreciate you taking the time out of your day to click that subscribe button, listen to the show, and enjoy it on your ride to work when you're making dinner, whatever you might be doing. I do hope you enjoyed it. Uh, but I'll be back tomorrow for a brand new episode of the show. And until then, you guys have a fantastic rest of your day. Peace.